after 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Health on Monday. Good evening, everybody. Young people as healthcare providers. Ms. Lerat Omtunzi, founding president of the Young Nurses Indaba Trade Union, is on the line. We're in conversation with them under the theme of young people as caregivers in hospitals, rehab centers, and old age homes. Our guest, Lerato, will be looking at the advocacy work that the Young Nurses Indaba Trade Union does. We will also get her views on, among other things, providing health care now versus back in the day. What things have changed, particularly in the provision of health care? Young people, evolving health challenges, the advent of technology and the safety question even, providing health care in times of a pandemic. Government, they've just announced the deployment to South African National Defence Force Hospital. Um, I mean, members of the military health services to a public hospital. What about those young people who are looking for such opportunities but are not getting them? And all things to do with unemployed graduates. Lerato, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Good evening, Sanyazo. Good uh, evening to all for your listeners. First of all, many congratulations for founding what sounds like a very wonderful and well-oiled machine in the Young Nurses Indaba Trade Union. Tell us, please, a bit more about them. Young Nurses Indaba is a trade union that was founded in 2015, got registered as a trade union, just one of um, very militant and very radical trade union in health because they've always been that um, that void of finding that most of the trade unions that are organizing in health are just really in bed with the employer and there is so much silencing of workers at the shop floor. And that's how Wainichi was uh, founded. In the six years and counting on the five years into the sixth now, the, what have been some of the mo- major challenges, particularly, I mean, implicit in the name for young nurses? And I'm asking this question because the nursing profession hasn't quite been given the kind of respect in recent times as perhaps in times before. There were nursing colleges, which are now few and far between, which were many back in the day. We do know that some of the nurses who are around are accepting top dollar from the Middle East, the United Kingdom, as well as the United States for their services. And in this country, the public health care facilities in particular leave much to be desired for, for one to call a place of work. You know, um, nursing in its very nature, it's a um, profession, many call it noble, and based uh, mostly because um, if you look at uh, where its roots come from, its historic background is entrenched in in religion and is also entrenched in too many indoctrination of colonialism. And as a result, uh, because most of the practitioners of nursing are female and female of black descent, you find that it it has really not evolved. It has remained really. Uh, in the gutters and very much in the slavery uh, um, area, era, to be very honest. Now, the reason why we wanted to dub this trade union young, it's really just not really about age, but to to bring about a new way of of looking at health, a vibrant way, a way that says, look, wait up, this is a profession um, that ensures that the workforce of this country continues to be healthy and the wheels of our economy 
continues to turn. We need to get more, um, you know, innovative and more vibrant young people who are in school to come into this profession and find it that it's an appealing profession. When I when I talk about a nurse to anyone, all of us, even you know, listeners will will, will attest to this. You're just thinking about a rude person, an uncaring person, a person that really doesn't want to do the job, but they just want to you know linger around and just go go to tea time. And that is why we we thought let's find a vehicle, a vanguard that is going to focus on uniting and restoring the image of the nursing profession, you know, not to its former glory, because I cannot recall a time when nursing was ever at its, you know, glorious time, but it actually says this needs to be a profession that we need. I think COVID has proved that, and COVID has shown that without the frontline workers, particularly nurses, this country would really be on its knees. Let's talk about what you referred to earlier on, and that is the experience of the public in nursing centers or facilities where there are nurses. And I want to specifically refer to the public health care sector because I think this is where a lot of some of these challenges might lie. Referring specifically to an incident last year, beginning of last year or end of last year, where an elderly woman was tied to a bench at Steve Biko Academic Hospital by the nurses of that facility. How do we get to that point? And how do we ensure that point is not a point to which we ever get again? Look, that's a very interesting case, particularly because of the trade union. It's one of the cases that we really championed very much, trying to bring uh, not just media, but also the community we serve into light. Look, it doesn't matter how you look at it. When you come into a hospital, whether you get bad service from the clerk, from the cleaner, from uh, the water attendant, you really don't care who the person is. They're in a hospital, therefore it is a nurse. And just to correct that that whole story, you know, most of uh, whoever that tied the patient was security. But also, we, we can want to, you know, uh, blame healthcare workers, and I'm including nurses in this because we are, the topic is really around nursing. But the reality of the matter is that we are sitting with a healthcare system that is in a mortuary, not even an ICU, that is in a mortuary. And the reason why we say this is because there is no staff. That person, when interviewed, says, I had to tie the, the, the woman because she was you know, not in her full senses and she was getting lost. Our worst fear is her missing. It's her getting raped, even in the premises of the hospital, because there's influx of people coming in and out. Does it justify it? Are we ever going to find ourselves in that position? Absolutely, yes, because our healthcare system does not have adequate processes, does not have adequate systems. The staff, The staffing ratios are are so bad that you cannot leave resuscitating a patient and focus on people that are sitting in benches that should be in wards, wards that are full. So we are, you, 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 it's really a dire situation where if you are a bystander and you're watching from the, from the, from the bench lines, you will be able to point fingers. It is really a difficult uh, tussle that we are, we are actually uh, battling. I wonder what you think at home as we engage this conversation with Ms. Ladat Omtunzi, founding president of the Young Nurses Indaba Trade Union. She's on air for another eight or so minutes. In fact, she's on air for another 14 minutes because we have an extended session now because one of the two, either the soapy or the storytelling is out. No complaints on my end. More airtime, therefore more opportunity for us to engage. Please do then, on that account, Johannesburg, 
714-2006. Lerato is representing the union that was founded in 2015. Let's talk about the evolution of the public health care. I don't think health care at its core changes, but I think the world in which we live, the advent of technology, new medicines, and eras eventually, ultimately, will lend itself to the change, if you like, in the broad sense. What are such of those changes that we are seeing in the broad sense, and how is the industry itself evolving to be able to either keep abreast at a minimum or try and be ahead of the curve? Health, you know, at, at its entirety is still very much backwards, uh, particularly when you zoom in into our country. We, we shouldn't even, I mean, I'll make a typical example about the state of our vaccination rollout with all its scandals and all its challenges that we should not even be dealing with. To be, to be honest, uh, where we are, we should be running a well-oiled machine. Innovation is quite slow in the healthcare space. Hence, we need young minds. We really need young, innovative minds that will bring about uh, a lot of innovation. Like what? We, um, like what? what I'll, is I'll that make no, I mean, as a country, we should be able to, at this stage, be producing our own vaccines. We are not in the, We are not capable. We are still lingering and hoping other countries will be able to do that. Secondly, we should be in a position that uh, our people are no longer queuing. I mean, we, we, we're, talking, we're talking about the ITC systems that should be in. I mean, something as simple as just getting Ukoko, knowing which appointment is at 9 o'clock. Coming in and getting out of the facility should not be an issue. Getting a lot of, um, you know, decanting systems in malls. And there's a lot of things that we should be able to do that other countries are ahead of the curve. And we are not, we are not there. We, we always point this to say systems, processes in our country are taking a slow pace. Though we know what we must do, are taking a slow pace simply because we are so crippled by corruption and by looting that in this chaos of health where you cannot trace who fetched what medication where and uh, it, it's actually a, 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 a play field for those who really want to see um, the system not working because they are able to benefit from it. Funnily enough, some of the challenges are uniquely to the public health care system. The question then becomes, why is, to the extent that it is somewhat a little more absolved, is the private health care system, insofar as it relates to the nurses' question, than the public health care? I think a lot of it you've already alluded to, but what ultimately is that difference that this is essentially a conversation in the public health care sector more than it is in the private health care sector? Look, um, the, the healthcare system in our country is quite clear. It's for the haves and the have-nots. It's for those who their lives matter more than others. You have money, we'll take care of you. You do not have, unfortunately, you'll have to join the long queue of getting even a, a very a life-changing or a life-saving um, procedure. I'll say this because when you look at our country's private healthcare system, They've nicked it. They've nicked it in such a way that they're able to give us, you know, the the bare minimums with the most, um, with so much ease. The very thing that in the same country, 
public sector is battling with. I'm not saying our private healthcare system is perfect. It's not. It's not, but at least they're able to cover the bare minimums that we need, you know, infrastructure that is, you know, a, a, you know, staffing issues, the three major issues, infrastructure, uh, material resources, as well as, you know, human resource, not to that point. But ultimately, when you compare it to chalk and cheese, you do not have money, you are subjected to almost not getting care. You've got a bit of money, we'll try, and we'll get you there. And it's just unfortunate. Hence, the conversation of NHI became such a, a fundamental thing to say, even the granny in Santon should be able to be treated the same. And the reality is that we are not there. And uh, unfortunately, our people, because they don't have, they're subjected to really mediocre, if not even substandard healthcare system. Now, we are in a pandemic. This is where we need more nurses than ever before in our time as a nation in this country. More particularly in the far-flung and outlying areas of a lot, if not all, of the provinces in the country. To what extent has government been able to accept that reality and work towards ensuring not just making sure people are wearing masks, social distance, and sanitizing hands and whatever that comes with that, but really taking healthcare services to where they are so that, one, people don't have to move as much because this this could this what this virus thrives in the movement of people but more than that establish a kind of behavior establish a system and a way of health care that is always necessary and will be as necessary after the pandemic are we seeing any movements in the deployment of healthcare practitioners nurses in particular to those areas where they are most in, in demand Sure. That's a very, very difficult question because, to be very honest with you, I'll just make a, a simple analogy. In 2010, our country hosted the World Cup. We have stadiums to show for it. We've got bigger roads to show for it. And we even inherited E-tolls. Let's uh, move right into um, covid When COVID came, a lot of funds were injected into it. We are one year three months into the the pandemic uh, from the time the lockdown was announced. The reality of the matter, we don't have one single ward in this country that was built just for infectious diseases. We do not even have one single hospital that was erected. What we had was field hospitals, which, I mean, we know Nazareth has, was dismantled a few months ago. We had, we had uh, fever tents that are dilapidated, we saw with the story of Steve Biko, where people were sitting outside in the cold and it was raining and you could see those were quite inhumane conditions. What have we really done? Absolutely nothing. What do we have to show for it? You would expect that a, a pandemic such as this one would have actually assisted us to build infrastructure, to get additional stuff. As I'm talking to you, more nurses, doctors, remain unemployed in the the ones registered in the role of their respective councils. They're unemployed. You ask yourself, we are talking about deployment of uh, SANDF. 
you would you would and even if you do that it's quite it's momentarily it's for a small period of time we need more hands on deck so what are we advocating for we are asking that the the, the healthcare workers that are at home not able ENAs you know enrolled nursing assistants uh, staff nurses that are at home are and should be brought into the system so that we get more hands on deck those who are in the shop floor are getting banned because there's a lot of burnout. A lot of us are getting this um, COVID. We are always on, you know, a, a quarantine. And even when you come back, it's a, you know, it's a vicious cycle. And some are really losing their lives. So to be honest, on getting more stuff, we are not doing well as a country. On getting infrastructure, we, like I said, we failed dismally. And material resources, every second week we are addressing or even every second day, we are addressing issues of lack of protective equipment, lack of oxygen points, lack of oxygen cylinders, lack of masks, uh, you know, a, a, a ventilators when we are dealing with a respiratory condition. And it's, it's just, you know, a we are really chasing our tails, to be very honest. Let's take some more calls, if any, 2141. Let's take a short ad break in the meantime, though, because Ms. Leradom Tunzi has all of three minutes left with us. On SAFM. Now it's Songezo Bam with his call from Cape Town. Songezo, very quickly, please, Mshagas. Okay, as a Songezo, no, I just wanted to say that I'm I'm really hurt with this government, Songezo, man. How are they treating South Africans, you know? You would think with COVID and everything, to have nurses not working, I mean, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, man. I mean, everything in this country we lost with this government because... They want to replace us. I don't know. When when it's Cubans, there's money. When it's South African nurses, there's no money. There's there's nothing. Uh, it's disappointing, man. Sorry. Hard truth. Thank you, my brother. Thank, Thank you so good much. Good evening, man. Much appreciated for your call, William Christiana. Quite awake this evening. This comrade lady is damn in order and must take on that corrupt health minister head on. Final comment from you, Miss Lerat Omtunzi. Um. I, I think, you know, with the, the nurses, young ones particularly, because most of our older nurses had to be allowed to, you know, take, um, to be at home because of me- most comorbid. So really, I know they're taking a brunt. And I think as young nurses in Daba, we've said we are committed to ensuring that we, you know, we fight uh, tirelessly to make sure that they're taken care of. I know um, we've lost... Um, some comrades in this battle and yeah may their souls really rest in peace but to be very honest we'd like to have a government that has got an ear a government that has got will a willingness to really help its people uh, and also help and stand in the gap for this young workers who are will end up not being here Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Ms. Leratom Tunzi, founding president of the Young Nurses in Daba Trade Union. 2146, I have 30 seconds left and I'm going to read this message just to give you and leave you with a bit of spice from Sizwe in Ermelum, Bumalanga. Hi, Songezo. I tried to call in with no luck. As a South African shop owner myself, I would like to emphasize that South Africans are lazy, greedy and jealous. I always hear them calling in and complaining about foreigners and white farmers all those groups work hard and feed us as South Africans. The only thing we need to do is to go to these white farmers and shop owners, work with them and get the knowledge as how it is successfully done before we can talk about land expropriation. Believe me, Songezo, I have been working with these foreign shop owners for almost seven years now. 
Now I am running my own shop, and I am currently planning to open two more shops, but believe me, I won't be employing a South African to look after any of my shops. Sizwe in Ermelo. You didn't tell us the name of the shop. 